When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to Humans of Speedway. I'm Ian Brannan, and in this episode, speaking with a well-known name on the track, uh, certainly around British Speedway and around Europe as well, Nikolai Klint, a Danish international who has ridden for many clubs in Britain, including Wolves, Swindon, Kings Lynn, Peterborough, Scunthorpe, Sheffield, Leicester, Poole, Workington and Ipswich. And that's the team he's going to be riding for this year, heading into 2021. Uh, we're speaking to him from his uh, base in Poland, where he is at the moment, because he's uh, riding with Ostrov uh, in Poland. And he's also a, a backup rider for Gorzhov in the Extra Liga this year as well, and riding in his homeland in Denmark too. But my very great pleasure to welcome to Humans of Speedway, Nikolai Klint. Thank you very much. Nikolai, just tell us where you are at the minute, because it must be weird being a, a Speedway rider at the level you are because obviously you're, you're riding um, a number of clubs. You are uh, very much the modern day speedway rider, but the, the pandemic certainly hasn't been helping you out. But where where are you at at this moment and, um, and what are you preparing for uh, over this uh, next few weeks? Well, I'm currently sitting in, in my apartment in uh, Poland preparing for tomorrow where we got our first league meeting here in, uh, here in Poland. And uh, yeah, at the minute the sun is shining. <laughs> so you work your way through the Danish youth um, system, really, which which is slightly different in that they encourage you to to get on a speedway bike. Really, uh, at the point of entering a, a stadium, you, you get the chance to have a go, and and you found that it was for you, and you're enjoying it. And fast forward to the the first time that you actually were on a 500 cc machine competitively. Can you remember y- your first meeting back in the, those early days of your career? It was 2004. It was my first year on the 500 cc's, and me and my dad had agreed that I was only going to do like second division and maybe a bit of first division in Denmark because we didn't have a lot of money. We only had one complete bike, and then we had a rolling chassis in in the workshop because we couldn't afford a second engine. And um, I had done a deal though with with a super league team uh, from Fredericia, where. Uh, Morden Rissea was was riding as well, and they I think they had a a rider injured and and they needed me to race and it was at my my local track in Old Troop and I was super nervous super nervous because obviously it was in front of all my friends and people I knew and I was still a member of that club, riding for them in the, in in the first and second division, so I was I was mega nervous but I ended up doing great I think I scored five or six points um, at I don't know. 25 quid a point or something. I don't know. But yeah, that, that, was my, that was my first first meeting. It's not a bad evening's work, though. Five, you know, 25 quid a point, five or six points for a, for a youngster. It's, uh, you know, it's better than working no, in a it, shop. Yeah, especially when you don't know how much it costs to race. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I remember when I was a kid, I was just, because my, my dad was doing all the finances and paying all the bills and stuff like that. And I, <clears throat> even when I first had my personal contract, my first professional contract, sorry, in, in Poland, I thought, oh, yeah, money's rolling in. And I didn't, 
I, I wasn't on on a lot of points back then in compared to what it is now i think i was on 200 quid a point or something and uh that was a lot of money for a kid like 200 quid a point I was like whoa yeah but obviously i didn't score more than four five six points a meeting because it was an extra league and um and i didn't have a clue of how much we actually spent so it was a bit of a eye-opener when when my dad sort of got me into to the financial side of things yeah and roughly for for the for the fans who are probably completely ignorant and blind to to all that kind of stuff roughly what does it cost to race at, at an average meeting for for a rider like yourself um obviously it depends on on if you have a full-time mechanic or if you're flying in and out of meetings but just basic costs um more, like if we we say England, most, most mechanics get everything from, I don't know, 50 to hundred quid a meeting without a bike wash. Um, so say it's hundred quid, then you have fuel to and from your workshop. Let's say that's hundred quid. Then you've got tire. That's another 50 quid, uh, oil wear and tear and stuff like that. Uh, Roughly, you would you would say it's fifty quid a heat it costs to to race. Um, so they say you race four heats, it's it's two hundred quid, um, mechanic hundred quid, and, and fuel hundred quid. So it's roughly between three and four hundred quid in it uh, to to do a normal meeting. Wow! So you, you need you know the the points that the, there is the pressure there on the points to to just pay for the the fact that you're actually in attendance at the meeting, let alone feeding your family and everything else after it yeah yeah exactly exactly um but that 50 quid a meeting it's wear and tear oil this that and the other right um it's my dad that's told me it's cost it's costing 50 quid a heat. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not 100 sure um but yeah roughly 50 quid a heat um because obviously uh, an engine let's say it can do 25 30 heats on a service and a service is around 600 six to 700 quid then you can work that out how much it is per heat right yeah. um and also you got you got to take into account that you can blow up an engine like two years ago i blew up an engine i had to get rebuilt for i think it was two and a half thousand pounds um so obviously you had to spread that out on to the next couple of meetings to to be in plus so you're not in minus all the time but it, it is expensive especially when when riders like like me have to fly in and out of England. So you have hotel, you have flights, you have hire car if you, if, if you have that as well um, and stuff on top of that. So it, it, it is not cheap riding Speedway and definitely not cheap riding Speedway in England unless you live there. I always feel sorry for whenever I see a rider's, you know, whose bike's seized up or you see sparks coming out the back of it or something, you think that's that's a whole headache for the for the for, for the poor guy for the rest of the week that's not, yeah, yeah. not what you want no it, it, exactly and 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 people don't like even some some of my obviously my friends they they have have sort of, my, of an idea on on how much it costs but for people that i know and know that I do speedway and stuff they're like oh you just do speedway oh you must, must make make a lot of money and stuff but but they, it costs a lot of money and also the thing about speedway if you don't score any points you don't get get paid uh, because you don't earn any money some riders have a guarantee in their contract so so they get away with with just a cost covered but it it ain't cheap uh, it ain't cheap and you have to be on your a game all the time to to make it financially beneficial uh, for sure but then again you've got to decide if you're doing it uh, for for the money side of things so you're doing it because because you want to do it and and you have goals you want to achieve it was fairly early in your career when you started um riding in other leagues as well wasn't it because you were saying sort of 2004 2005 was the the period you really started on the 500 ccs and then you uh you had um time in in sweden and, and poland in the early days as well as denmark yeah um it <clears throat> the in 2006 I was only meant to ride in Elsvenskan, which is the second tier in Sweden, then do the the Super League and First Division in Denmark. Um, but then I think early 2006, 
I had a phone call asking if, if I want to race in, in Poland. And I was like, uh, yeah, of course, of course I will. Uh, I didn't know that it was extra Liga. Um, they, for that season, they made a new, new rule, um, where the reserves, which is number six and seven, didn't have to be Polish riders. So you could use foreign riders uh-huh. at that point. So, uh, that obviously gave me a chance to, to race there and it improved me a heck of a lot. I, w- I would say that was one of the reasons why I went from a sort of mid-order guy to, to one of the best in the junior ranks because I was riding against the best. Uh, like in, in, in my team, we had Yair Campbell, we had Jason Crump, we had Kenny Bier, we had Hans Anderson, and then we had Thomas Kapinski, which was only early 20s back then. Uh, and then me and, and another Polish junior reserve. So, so it was a super strong team. We ended up winning the league as well. But then I was riding against the top riders back then, Nicky Pedersen, Lee Adams, uh, Ryan Sullivan, all that, you name it, all, all those guys. And you do get better riding against better, better riders, even though you have more knocks on your head than, than smiles on your face. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and especially be, being a Dane, I imagine at that era, riding against Nicky Pedersen in particular must have been, because he was world champion around then, wasn't he? I mean, that must have been uh, pretty incredible for, for, a, for a young Nikolai. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and <clears throat> obviously starting a month uh, or so earlier than every, well, nearly one and a half months earlier than everyone else back in Denmark. Then when I came back to Denmark, I was all of a sudden miles in front of of riders that was on my level this season before and and in 2005 i wouldn't get near nikki and i remember in in the mid middle of 2006 i actually beat him in in holster which was his home track back then and and that was a massive thing so it, it just showed that that being able to race against some of the best riders in the world on a weekly basis improved me even though i lost more times than i than i than i won um, so that was a massive stepping stone for me. That, that caught attention of a lot of British promoters um, in 2006. Yeah, because then you, you came over here. But I was going to say, what, what, what was it that you learned? Was it, was it in terms of setting bikes up? Was it ways of riding, lines around the track? Or what, what, um, what was that difference that you think that you learned in that time? It was a lot of things. Um, obviously, race, you had to race harder. Um, line choices. I remember Jason Crump was, was a massive help, even though uh, it was only small inputs he came with. Uh, but having him as a, as a captain in the team and me only being 17, he was, um, he was someone I looked up to massively. And, and to be able to get his help was, was something at first I was nearly blown away by um but it helped me and and also being being on a team with with other Danes like Hans Anderson and Kenny Bier and being able to actually be be on their pace in in race meetings um then also because I was not a threat for them they they helped me with with improvement on my equipment and stuff like that too so it it, 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 it was a lot of small things that that make a big made a big difference um and my confidence when went up uh, being able to beat some of the better guys in that league as well or be on par with some of the better guys so it, it was a combination of, of a lot of things and you know when you're young you don't think about things you just keep put your head down and and keep the the throttle wide open on an individual score as well you you were uh, under 19 european champion and uh, you also had some under 21 honors in, in the in the mid sort of early 2000s as well 2008 2009 with the world cup and uh, you've you've achieved there as well, and that obviously is where you're trying to get to again uh, in the in the more senior ranks now. But great things to um, to achieve. And who were you up against in that under nineteen era? What what sort of names were you racing against? When when I won my under nineteen uh, championship in two thousand seven, I've, I've just found the the result here. Uh, I won with fourteen points. We had Eureka Public. Philip Tatira, Thomas Jonasson, Martin Vasulik, Artem Laguder, Kevin Bolbert, Sengoder, Maxim Bogdanov, Patrick Hugard, Linus Sundstrom. Um, so it was, this was in on the under 19 European Championship final, and, and it, it was some pretty decent names, I would say. If you look at Vasulik and, and Laguder, they, uh, they're top riders in the GPs. Yeah. Today. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it proves you can beat them. You know, you have, you've done yeah, it. And that must be good in your mind for when it comes to these kind of big meetings where you do face them, you know, further down the line, even now. Yeah, of course. Like um, when he was funny, I talked to my mate the other day and um, we were just talking about like old junior days and stuff. And um, we were sort of laughing and saying, hey, what, what's happened? Because I was better than them back in the day. But yeah, loads of things have happened since then and things you can't really change. And you just got to focus on, on what you can do now. You then um, ventured over to Britain. And I think I was surprised when I was looking at how many British teams you've ridden for. You've ridden for quite <laughs> yeah. a lot. It's like not not all of them, but it's, it's a good spread. Like Wolves, Swindon, Kingsland, Peterborough, Scunthorpe, Sheffield, Leicester, Poole. Workington and Ipswich it's a it's a who's who of, a, of British clubs and tracks yeah and and before 2000 before the 2013 season I've only raced for Wolves and, and Swindon yeah true yeah because you were at Wolves quite a while <laughs> weren't you uh, yeah. yeah and in uh, in 2013 um, yeah Kings Lynn uh, I only did I think I did four meetings and then I got sacked there and I think I did six meetings for Peterborough and got sacked there and then I had no club and Rob Godfrey was was nice enough to to let me ride for for his team I had a terrible season that year and I was even thinking about retire because I couldn't see a way out of the the spiral I was in uh, in 2013 and yeah I finished season pretty good with 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 Scunthorpe it was completely different to me because I'd never rode in in the <clears throat> in the Premier League uh, full time. I'd done a bit of guests for Stoke when I first came over, but then the following season, fourteen, I did another four meetings for Swindon, and Alan Brossard didn't think I was doing well enough, so he he gave me the boot. Um, and then I joined Leicester, uh, but it had to. I had to convince Norrell that I was good enough to be in the team. Um, it sort of helped that I won a GP qualifier in front of Sega and Kolodzie and Dudek. And then he, the next day he was like, ah, oh, yeah, do you want to sign? <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Um, but then funny enough that the, the following year, nobody wanted, I had a good season with Leicester in 2014 and a good season overall, but nobody wanted to sign with me in 2015. And unfortunately I got injured in May, I think it was, and was out for two or three months. And then when I came back, I'm a Polish, Swedish or Danish club, didn't seem to one wanting to use me and I was just left without nothing you know we talked about before no income um so I signed I think for eight meetings with with Sheffield which was very very professional club nice people around and and they helped me with, with a lot of stuff because at that point I had no money I had no equipment nothing um so they helped me <clears throat> to get get started and then in, in 2016 I rode for uh, Leicester again um, and I think I started the season with Scunthorpe to help Rob out and 17 pool for two months until I got injured and then 18 uh, Workington and, and and then the following two seasons for pool so yeah a bit of a what do you call it um, sort of a, a journeyman um, I think they would say yeah journeyman yeah, yeah exactly that was the word I was looking for <laughs> but up until 2013, things were going pretty well for you. You you were performing consistently. Things are starting to go well for you uh, in Britain and in, in Europe as well. And you've got your sights in your mind, maybe trying to look at getting into the GP. What happened in 2013 that, that made it such a horrible year? I wasn't doing very well. Uh, I actually started all right for, for King Slynn, but my confidence was below path. Uh, all of a sudden, I wouldn't say I was scared of riding, uh, well, maybe in, in some cases I was a little bit afraid or hesitant, but I just had no confidence. And then when you have no confidence, it looked like you're like crap in your pants. Um, and I had no self, self-belief. And then I got the second King clean and, and Jan Stegman took me in at Peterborough and I did all right. And, and Jan got sacked and then they employed Ryan Sullivan. And I don't think Ryan really saw saw anything in me i had some issues with my equipment and stuff at the time as well uh and when i got that fixed and sort of started going all right again we yeah i got the boot so uh, 
that was that. And in 2014, <clears throat> I did a couple of meetings for Swindon. And I, I knew I was below par, but I felt I had had issues with my equipment. I, I wasn't fast enough. I was trying to get my engines changed and this, that, and the other, but nothing happened. I would definitely improve, sorry. And, and I found out that because I built my bikes myself, which I haven't done since, the gear ratio on, on my bike was completely different. So norm, let, let's say normally you use a 58 sprocket on the back. When I put a 58 sprocket on the back, because the gear ratio behind the clutch was different to what it should have been, I was actually riding with a 55, which is three teeth less. So no wonder I, I didn't have, have the speed that I normally oh, imagine I would have have had. Um, and yeah, Ryan, um, not Ryan, Alan said that I wasn't good enough and he needed to make team changes, even though it was only after four meetings. But I had a couple of weeks off, sorted out my bikes, and then I started off for Scunny. And I think I didn't score below 12 points the first six meetings for them in the Premier League. Uh, I had a lot of help from Graham Jones that year with, with sorting out my engines as well in England. And, and like I said, then, then I won a GP qualifier and, and got signed up by, by Leicester. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it all turned out, uh, turned out good. And we see quite often riders saying through the course of the season that they can't understand what's happening. They've really invested in their equipment and it's not going to plan and they can't put their finger on the problem. And, and in your case, it was something as simple as that where you had the wrong cog buried deep in your engine and, and that was the source of all the problems. Yeah, exactly. And I thought I had the, the same sprocket on as, as normal, which obviously make the, the engine perform to a certain level, but or to a certain standard, but but when the gear ratio or the setup on on the bike isn't as it should be, then you don't have the speed that you expect. So it, it was a bit of a stupid mistake, um, and sort of sounds like an excuse, but it's just reality. And and I got the sack, but then in hindsight, that that probably was was good that I got the sack for, from Swindon because I wasn't riding um, under a a team manager who believed in me. Um, so it was, it was better that, that I wasn't a part of that team and, and, and got somewhere, got signed up somewhere else uh, by a team who wanted to, to use me and believe in my ability. When you talk about, um, you talked about confidence and things like that, the mental side of Speedway obviously is, is much more prevalent these days in terms of the riders are seeking out help in that way to, to help them perform sports psychology is obviously a bigger thing and that's something that you've certainly used in the past isn't it what's it like when you in terms of confidence obviously losing is one thing but one or two riders I've spoken to have, have mentioned about having you know big crashes and, and things like that and how that can really set you back as well and you've had a few big big offs in, in your time as well haven't you and what's it like coming back from that does that really influence your the limits you're willing to take perhaps in future when you've had a big crash in 2007 it was going to be a massive year for me because 2006 had been so good and i had a massive get off in a challenge meeting for, for wolverhampton uh, in sheffield actually and uh, that set me back like loads because looking back now and i was afraid in certain situations and i didn't push myself hard enough and sometimes in speedway when you're a bit hesitant that actually makes it more dangerous than than when you push yourself a little bit harder and uh, i sort of got over that <clears throat> and then i had another big big crash in 2012 where i broke uh, everything in my, my right shoulder and on it was funny because it happened in wolverhampton and other tracks i didn't feel i had a had a problem but because uh, but then, but then um, when we raced at Wolverhampton, it sort of had a flashback every time I went into turn three. Um, but I would say now I'm more mentally strong, and when I've had a big crash, then then I sort of managed to to get over it um, a bit quicker than than what I had done previously. And I think talking about crashes and, and sitting in, in the back of your mind that was one of the reasons why. I didn't do very well in 2013 because I was very hesitant and, and I was probably a bit scared in certain certain situations when I was riding. Mm. Um, but then 
yeah, you learn from it. And, and if you manage to, to get over that part, then it only makes you stronger. I believe, uh, it's just very, very difficult. And I think that's why you see some people after a big crash, <clears throat> they, they're not themselves anymore because they are probably are afraid deep in deep inside or deep down. And the problem is that they don't want to accept it or, or be all right with, with them being a little bit afraid. Um, because you gotta, you gotta think and understand that you're actually riding with on a bike without brakes, uh, and everything happens so quick and you're doing up to 70 miles, uh, 75 miles an hour on, on, on certain tracks. So not because it, it's, it's, it's at slow speed, is it? And I guess things can go wrong very quickly, can't they? You know, in a split second, something happens in front of you and you've got to somehow figure out how you're going to react or, or, or whatever. But, you know, it makes it a lot more difficult not having any brakes and all that and, and the perils of the sport in general. It's, uh, it's set up for accidents, unfortunately, isn't it? No, it, it is a bit of a, of a strange sport when, when you think about no brakes, no gears, and you only turn left <laughs> and you actually have to get your back wheel to go right. But it, it's always easy to be... Like Nils Christian Everson last year, he he's one of my really good mates, and he had a terrible season. And and people were like, oh, he's afraid, and this, that, and the other. But because I've been in the same situation, I could see exactly what was happening. Because he had no confidence, he had no belief. When he was trying to overtake someone, he hesitated, and he backed off. Not because he was scared, but because he didn't believe that he could pass that guy. He didn't believe that he had enough speed. And then when he was behind someone. At first, he wanted to go inside, and then he's like, "No, I want to go outside." And then he got mixed up in what he actually wanted to do. Um, so sometimes, when when you can't stick to to the choices or decisions you make on track, or believe that they are the right ones, it looks like you're scared uh, for people on the outside when you actually are completely confused and messed up in, in your head yeah. because uh, you've got no confidence and no self-belief. And I think that's the that's the danger, most dangerous thing about Speedway is when a rider got no self-belief because then sometimes he, he tend to override and that's causing him and others to crash. Yeah, that sort of syndrome of overthinking it perhaps rather than just doing what's mm. natural, you know. Yeah. So he really, like look, looking at Nils sort of gave me a few flashbacks uh, last year because I, I've been in an exact same situation. It's one of the worst you can be in because it, it's so draining and it's so mentally tiring and hard um, to be in that because you, you're sort of trying to figure out what's wrong and, and, and trying all different things with bikes. You just got to plug away and then all of a sudden at some point it will turn. Yeah, you've just got to have your own belief, haven't you? But you, you are, um, over the last couple of years, you know, you, you've, and certainly if, if, if lockdown, the year of lockdown 2020 was obviously a, a not a great year for, for Speedway particularly, but you um, you started last year as a delivery driver and ended up in the national Danish Speedway team. So it was it was not a, <laughs> not a, not a bad year, really, for, uh, for you for 2020. No, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I put in a hell of a lot of work um, into everything for the 2020 season. And obviously we had the lockdown and I was like, no, I'm not going to let all the hard work go to waste. So I just kept kept working hard and kept plucking away. And, and, and mentally I was still focused and still believed that I was going to race. And I didn't really care where it was. I just wanted to to prove to myself that all the hard work that I put in was was going to to come back tenfold, and it did. I had a really really good season, and not just riding wise, but also personally, I had a really really good year. I, I I think I grew a lot, not just as rider, but also as a person, and that's definitely something I can take with me for this season, even in bad times. And going back to your your delivery duties, you were, you were working for Tesco, weren't you? And um, did you have a, a situation where there was any Speedway fans uh, that you delivered to, and there were uh, maybe a double take because you, you're quite a distinctive looking chap? You know, what are you, was Nikolai Clint doing delivering my shopping? Was was that a question asked? <laughs> no, there was a, there was a couple um, because I wasn't delivering in Wolverhampton. I was delivering around the Telford area, and. Um, and there was a couple of, of people that sort of say, oh, hey, 
do you ride speedway i was like yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but it, it was I, i'm really really happy that that i got that job it's not because it was financially beneficial i was on like eight quid an hour <laughs> so it was not a, a lot of money that i was getting paid every week but it was it was just getting out and meeting new people and, and speaking to new people being in a different environment environment and doing something that i've never ever done before and see how other people actually go by or get by day by day so it was it was something I'm, i was really happy um to do and i really enjoyed I was lucky as well that I think there's only two days in, in the two months that I did did the job that I had long jeans on. Other other than that, I had t-shirts and shorts. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful uh, start to the year on the weather on the weather front last year. Better than yeah. now. Um, and then and then you got the call and and you were off to was it Poland? Yeah, I left for Poland last year on the 10th of June, and then I was in uh, open isolation in uh, for two weeks which means that, or which meant that um, I could go out, but I couldn't in, interact with, with other people. Um, so I could go to the shop and back again, really, but I couldn't be around loads, mm. uh, only like my mechanic and friends and stuff. Um, so I stayed here until the 18th or something of October, if I remember right. And then I went to Denmark. And then uh, I went back to England on the 19th of December. This year, um, things obviously a little bit different. There's there's going to be uh, a speedway season in Great Britain, all being well, starting 17th of May. Could be one of the first sports uh, to have fans back in of, of any sport. Um, and um, you are part of the Ipswich team. And it's interesting because you were saying about how Jason Crump was such a massive influence on you in your, in your younger days. And um, your team back up with him now. Yeah, it was it was actually funny when, because we had a press and practice and, and a photo session last year and to see Jason there, after, first of all, after he, he hadn't rode for so many years, but also being in, in the same team as him again, it, it was a bit funny and we, we had a bit of a laugh uh, about how many, well, just, just being back together again in the same team, but also how many years it was since we was, was last riding together. So uh, it, it was something I was really, really looking forward to and something I believe would have helped me personally um, with, with my improvement and, and also my step going forward in the, in the direction that, that I want to go in with my speedway. So it was, it was a shame that I wasn't able to benefit from, from his experience and his knowledge last year, but hopefully I can, I can do that this year. And um, your, your other teams, you're riding in... Denmark and in Poland as well, aren't you? But you're also yeah. in in Poland. You're riding in the effectively the the, the second league as such. Um, but you're also a reserve for Gorzhov if if there's something yeah. uh, go off there. So that's that's pretty exciting to be to be with a a, a tentative extra league a place uh, possibly this season. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I, I was very disappointed in in the rule changes um, they put in this year which i believe i wouldn't say cost me a place but which meant that i didn't get a team place in actually uh if the rules regarding the the setup of the team would have been the same as as last year i'm pretty certain that i would have would have been <clears throat> riding in the extra league in, in 2021 but like i said last year as well um i just i just need one meeting uh, and I did last year. I think I scored ten or eleven points against Rosraf uh, for Gorshov, and I'm looking to get the same this year. Not in points, but one chance and um, show what I'm capable of. Because I believe I'm good enough to ride in extra league. So it's cool to be involved in a team like Gorshov, which is very professional and obviously got uh, the world champion in in their squad, <clears throat> which is um, which is always always nice. Yeah, I can imagine riding with uh, with Bartosz must be a pretty good experience. And as you say, with with Poland, unlike with Britain, where you've got a team that's confirmed and that's the team, unless somebody's injured, and then you make a a redeclaration and all that kind of thing. It's it's weird in Poland with it being a bit more of a squad system. There is that chance for you to to really shine and 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 put somebody else out of the team um, a, a lot easier. Yeah, it, it, it it's a difference this year though because um i can only go in and race if 
rider is, is tested positive for COVID. Last year, I could go in uh, if someone if somebody wasn't doing well enough or, or got injured. And uh, that's that's what Jack Holder did. Um, so the reason why I got the chance was because he wasn't available for that meeting. And um, they didn't believe that Cash Shack was was good enough to, to race. And um, that's why I got the, the call up last year. Okay, more from Nikolai Klint in just a moment. We're going to speak more about the system that they have in Denmark for deciding who gets to have a go at qualifying for the Speedway Grand Prix Series and what it's like working with Hans Nielsen. More on the way here on Humans of Speedway. You're listening to Humans of Speedway. Danish international Nikolai Klint is my guest in this episode. He's going to be telling us how his dream Speedway meeting would look in just a bit. Now, in this next section, we were speaking prior to the Danish National Championships, which um, which happen every year at this time. And he's going to explain more about the meeting. But really, it's, it's the one meeting that they have to decide who's going to uh, get a chance to go to the various qualifiers for the international events like the Speedway European Championships and uh, the Speedway Grand Prix. Now, we know now at this point that he was successful and he has got a place in the Speedway GP uh, qualifiers, uh, which is uh, great news. But uh, when he was speaking to us in this section, it was just prior to that. And he tells us more about the Danish national finals. Yeah, uh, in, in the UK, the the team managers for, for Team GB handpicks the riders that they believe um, are good enough or all the best of of the ones they can choose from. To race in, in the European and the GP qualifiers, where in Denmark we have a separate qualifier pre-qualification. Um, so top five from Wednesday goes into the European Championship qualifiers and the GP qualifiers, where the European Championship have four semifinals and the GP qualifier have three semifinals, um, and then each uh, the GP qualifier and the European qualifier have like a uh, challenge where I think it's top five from European and top three from from GP qualifies to the to the series. Uh, GP is next year and and European Championship is this year. So there's a few round, rounds to get through and it's not easy. So you have to be on your A game on the day. Um, personally, it, it, it's in. Esbjerg on Wednesday is a track that I love riding at. I always do good. Uh, I rode there last year in the Danish semi-final, scored 15 points uh, and felt really, really good on the track. And we went there on Wednesday uh, this week um, for practice. So um, I can't be better prepared than I am. I just have to um, put my head down and then be be focused and, and go for the win. Uh, it, because also another thing is they go by ranks in in the qualifier on Wednesday. So the winner of the, the meeting have first pick, which obviously is a very important because if you take the European qualifier, we got you around in Ukraine, around in Germany, around in Czechia, and around in uh, Hungary. Yeah. So um, I'd rather be going to Germany than than Ukraine. That's for sure. And the national team, of course, is. Um presided over by Hans Nielsen, who's one of the most formidable riders of all time. And I know you've been um, having practice sessions where he's been present and working with him and he's been helping you with starts and things like that. That must be uh, a great influence to have in your camp as well. Yeah, of course. Like, <clears throat> I don't think there's ever been, well, there has been a few, but but anyone that has been as good as, as Hans, uh, his, his main thing was obviously to... To get out the gates, he was a phenomenal gator, and um, to get a few few tips tip from him will never hurt anyone, and and he's been been through it all. So to be be able to have him in in your camp, if you could say that, not because he's in my camp, but but with the main national team, is obviously a help. Uh, but then again, on the other hand, it's it's twenty years, thirty years since he's he was riding last, so. A lot, a lot had changed since then. Uh, just with, also with starting technique and stuff like that. But simple things is still the same, and and he knows what it takes to to be on top of uh, of your game. Um, 
so definitely you can always 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 use uh, some of his knowledge we talk now about bikes being a lot different to what they were even 10 years ago um and, and not always for the better either but how has the technique changed from say Hans's era to to yours now but uh, just if you look at the starting techniques nowadays because the, the bikes are much more aggressive yeah back in the day they, they, they were all throwing the legs back and you can't really do that anymore because the bikes are so aggressive from when you drop the clutch so you need to put your loads more of your weight forward than than you did back then um back in the day you didn't have a lot of revs when on on your engine when you started now you have to have more revs so it's 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 all different but as soon as you drop the clutch and get your head down to the first corner the you it is more or less the same um so hans was was picking out a few things i did wrong so i was trying to correct them but i'm still doing them they're still still doing the mistakes but i'm, I'm trying to to better things good stuff well hopefully we'll um you'll see you uh well look forward to seeing you in this country um yeah, I am as at well. some point I am and as well. um and of course uh, see how you get on in the in the gps as well because that will be awesome yeah now i've signed for voyants in denmark they got a gp there in september that's um that's one of my aims as well i got on my list that um the wild card the number 16 race jacket in in the voyance gp is going to be mine so um I'll give I'll give you a wave, Ian. Yeah, do that, do that. That that would be that would be ace, though. I mean, how does the um, wild card system there work? Is it is that chosen as well, or is it because like in 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 for for Cardiff, obviously it's the winner of the British final normally. Yeah, uh, in in other countries, it's the federation as as alongside the uh, organisers of the event, which in this case is Boeing's that uh, put. I think it's three, two or three names forward. Uh, to the FIM, um, obviously there's always one that that does better than than the other two. And then if if FIM decides who it is, um, but it can it can be all sorts of reasons for why they choose one rider over another. So it's the same with the wildcard system in it. Um, yeah. Oh, there's there's loads of things like who sells tickets, who's who's going to be the most entertaining, who's who's going to be able to compete amongst amongst the best and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's the federation along, alongside the organisers that that's choosing who who the wildcard is going to be. And uh, the one of the most recent episodes I did before speaking with you, Nikolai, I spoke to Paco Castagna, and uh, similar mm. position to you, really. He was um, looking forward to getting involved in the GP, isn't it? I think he had his eye on the wild card for the Italian GP, but they've since cancelled yeah. that. <laughs> that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? COVID strikes again. <laughs> No, he's a good guy, Paco. I get I get along with him really well, and he's definitely one rider who's hundred percent committed to the sport and and works really really hard to try and and better himself and and achieve the the goals and the dreams he has for for himself. So hopefully one day, I keep my fingers crossed that he will get the the wildcard for the Italian GP. It'd be interesting to see how both of you do actually, because he, similar to you, you know, he's he's had wobbles in his career, and I think he's put a lot of thought into where things have gone wrong, and he's tried to put stuff right and up his game with his fitness and his bikes, and um, you know, I think it's uh, exciting, and 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 actually, the lockdown and, and not riding for so long has perhaps maybe fired him up even more, as it has uh, so many riders as well. So I think it's going to be an interesting season. Yeah, no, I think he's going to have a good year, like. He, I think he had a decent season in 2019 and, and last year he was going to be better. Uh, now he's had a year away. He, I know he's rode in Italy and stuff like that. But he's very hungry to come back and and I believe that if he do well enough, he, he's going to get his chance in, in the Premiership for, for the summer. Uh, I'm pretty certain about that. Yeah, no, that'd be, uh, be great to see some some stars of this podcast doing well. That's what we want. That's uh, got to be good. Got to be good. We'll have our own, we'll have our own team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the podcast team, eh? Yeah, yeah, the humans are speed. We oh, should do that. I don't think I've got seven current riders. I've got yourself, Paco, uh, Scott Nichols. Uh, I think I'm, I need to get a few more quickly before May, and then we can we can we can put a team together and see how we do together. Combine, see what the average is. <laughs> yeah, we just need to find a we just need to find a racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bradford. There's nobody yeah, racing Bradford. there. Oh, I would love to ride there. I would love to ride there. Well, hold that thought, Nikolai, because coming up, we're going to talk through your dream Speedway meeting in our Speedway Paradise feature. So let's see uh, which track you would choose for your dream meeting. So uh, that's all on the way here on Humans of Speedway. 
Welcome back to Humans of Speedway. I'm Ian Brannan, and in this episode, I'm in conversation with Nikolai Clint, who's going to be riding for Ipswich in the UK this year, uh, but uh, also um, currently speaking to us from his base in Poland, where the season there is already underway, riding with Ostrov, and um, he's um, possibly going to be doubling up there with uh, with Gorzhov as well, if there's a COVID case, what times we live in. Right now, Nikolai, your chance to describe your dream Speedway meeting in our Speedway Paradise feature. This is going to be exciting stuff. Um, we're going to start off with the track. Um, which track, if you could create your own meeting, which track would you choose for the racing? Purely the shape, the shale, the thrill it would give you. Which track would you go for, Nikolai? I was going to say Bradford. <laughs> oh, well, go for it. Well, um, it's, it's Torren's, uh, Torren's dad is Bradford because that's, uh, that's what it's based on. Yeah. They don't look very similar, but uh, I've heard I've heard the same. Current track, um, <clears throat> I would say one of my favorite tracks is uh, is probably Chester Hover. It's uh, it's such an awesome racing track. It's 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 super cool. Um, but as a rider, I would say it's Gorshov, and the reason for that is um, the fans are so close to the fence. So when you go up the back straight, that's where all the hardcore fans are sitting. They can nearly touch you, and I'm. No lie, you can hear them screaming for you when you ride around a track. It's it's something I haven't experienced on on other tracks. It's, it's you get goosebumps. It, it's it's so cool. That's the thing in Poland that that how big Speedway is. It's nuts, isn't it? How you know it's such a different level of you got full stadiums, thousands of people there. Obviously, when they're allowed to and 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 all that, but it's completely different to to many countries in terms of the 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 how keen the fans are for it yeah no it, 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 it's different level different level um all you hear in england all you hear in england is uh is booze and <laughs> and and complaints whereas uh, in uh, in poland you have a lot of cheers and i wouldn't say hooligans but it's like uh yeah mm. some kind of some kind of that and do you find that you're you're treated differently in public in in Poland if you, when you're around there and people know you that you're a bit more uh, a bit more of rock star status. Yeah, you could sort of say that. Obviously, Ostrov is, is a smaller city. There's I think there's seventy seventy five thousand people, and other than basketball, speedway is the main sport here. Um, I've been I've been riding here for for four years now, and I lived here all season last year. So people not because I'm a superstar or a GP rider or anything, but people do do tend to ask for photos or say hello and stuff like that, which obviously nice, but sometimes you just want your own space as well. Um, but then again, I'm not Cristiano Ronaldo, so I can, I, I can go out without being, <laughs> being uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you're going to put the, um, the, the Gorzhov track, which stadium have you found things that, that you've enjoyed racing in the most, the actual full stadium surroundings or is, is Gorzhov as a whole, like the perfect mix? That's a good question. Um, I would say the new the new Roswaf Stadium, obviously, is the same stadium as it was before, but they've renovated and rebuilt everything. Mm. And what they got, everything from from the changing rooms to 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 everything, like pits, all that stuff. That that's so so good. Like the VIP section, stand, everything. Um, it 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 is something other clubs and and stadiums arenas can can look up to it's just really really good yeah because i i I, th- I suppose you you see that level of investment and then there would be some other tracks you go to where it's it's a bit more of a bit more of a porter cabin <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and there's still tracks in 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 ostrov uh, in ostrov in poland that's the same and 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 ostrov we don't even have our own changing room. We 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 change with the array riders, so it's <clears throat> it's definitely diff- different compared to what level you're at. Um, mm. But the the, the 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 top league, most of the stadiums are and facilities around it are a top 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 level. And is that a difference in the money at the top level as well? Because there's a huge investment now in in the extra league, or isn't there with with the with the TV money and stuff that's that's in the sport? Um, the, 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 that cash is not going to be available until next season. But still, I think each club have a one and a half million slotty uh, at the minute. 
whereas uh, my league, I think they have 200,000 slotty right. per team. So obviously it's a massive difference of money you can invest in your stadium facilities and also in your team. So it, it is a big difference uh, for sure. But then also the other difference is if you compare it to England, uh, all the tracks here is it's just speedway. Uh, they might have a football team that plays on the infield, but that's it. Yeah. So um, the main use of stadium is speedway. Yeah, it's a big, big difference. So let's move on to the uh, the Nikolai Clint all time one to seven. Then who's who's lining up for you? <laughs> Good question. I, <laughs> I would have Darcy Ward. Yeah, uh, for sure. I would have uh, Smashlik. I would have Thomas Gollop. Tony Rickardson, Craig Hancock, Jason Crump, and myself. Oh, yeah, you got to be part of the action. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll come in at number seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you could always, you could always replace somebody and, and get a few extra rides. So, you know, it's always good on that front. On yeah, that exactly. Front. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, terrific lineup there. All time legends. And, uh, yeah, a formidable team. Um, if you were going to change a rule of Speedway, if you were Armand, uh, Paco Castagna's dad, just, just for a couple of hours, where would you start? What would be the number one thing you'd change? I was actually thinking about this uh, uh, not so long ago. But it's <clears throat> most when I'm watching Speedway as a fan... The, mo- the thing I get most annoyed about is starts. The the referees are too hard on on movement on the starts. Like in Poland, you can't even move your head without the heat being called or the start being called back for for an uh, on on a unsatisfactory start. Um, obviously, if a rider moves and you can see that he obviously j- jumps to start, then you've got to call it back. But it's time waste most of the times. Um, even some riders, let's say before the green, when the green light comes on, they roll a bit because of all the frictions on the bike, and then they hold still for two seconds, and the start goes. They still call it back. So that that that's one thing I would change. Um, so so it wouldn't be be so much time wasting. Starts, I would say, are um, the most popular thing that. That anybody's ever mentioned on this. When I when I say this, yeah. it's it's more often than not somebody says starts in some form or another. <laughs> mm. But you can area. just see in England that they tried loads of things, which is completely nonsense. Uh, and in Poland last no, two years ago, they also changed some some rules. They've actually gone in now, which I think is good. Uh, they have a camera right by the the starting tapes, mm. so if there is a bit of a movement at the start, but the referee is not hundred percent sure who moved and what happened, he reviews the start after the heat. That's an interesting idea. I don't think anybody suggested that before. A bit like VAR on the TV. So you, you let the, the heat play out and then may penalise the rider uh, the next time. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's actually a really, really good thing because then you don't get that time waste where, oh, I think someone moved. He stops the heat and then you have to watch the replays and see who moved and then give him a warning and then we go again. So it's loads better to... to, to like finish the heat and then he can watch the replay to see who moved and then whoever rider moved gets a warning unless it's obvious yeah unless it's an obvious advantage and in which case you're probably going to touch the tapes in some form anyway or it's going to be yeah less uh, less debatable very good yeah, okay um who who's the um who's been the best referee for you the referee that you'd choose for your meeting uh i have two i would say uh, jim lawrence and tony Steele. without a doubt it's two of the best referees i've ever raced uh under if you could say that. Yeah, Tony Steele gets a lot, a lot of votes. I was to say. Yeah, no, he he's he's such a nice guy, uh, but he's also such an understanding ref. And Jim Lawrence as well. He's he's clear cut, um, and he's not. He doesn't do anything silly. Of course, people make mistakes and and stuff like that. But he's very honest. He's he's probably one like with Tony as well, and one of the referees that that can sometimes see that he's wrong and also uh, credit you if you do something fair, if you do something good, you know, or, mm. 
or stuff like that. So definitely those two. <clears throat> the British referees in general seem to come across as among the fairest around across the board. Yeah. You know, they do seem to be more, uh, the, you know, other riders do seem to always talk about, I mean, aside like the Krista Gardell and, and, and that kind of uh, referee, it's, it's usually a British referee that they pick. Yeah. But I, most of the, I don't know, but like in, in Denmark, they they seem to, a bit like police officers, um, <laughs> they, they thrive for uh, for a bit of um, power. <laughs> so it gets to the head, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, as long as they don't pull you over for speeding, you're all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, who, who would be, if you're going to pick a, a, a team from all time, uh, an actual team that existed. Which which team would you choose to race against? I think I would easy uh, the Workington winning team from 2018. Of course, yeah. Won the treble. Yeah, it won it well. Just for sure. One of one team. of one of those teams, a bit like how Bradford ended, really, where they win everything and then they shut the place down. Yeah, it's such a shame. Such a shame. It's probably one of the one of the best tracks. One of my favorite tracks. Uh, well, but um, definitely it was it was such a laugh riding on that team we had such a good team spirit everyone helped and and how we ended the season was was phenomenal they never won in they never won the league and then we ended up winning the triple um yeah i'm not so good with history but i don't think it's 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 happened before um so it's it's pretty cool definitely my my team to choose yeah yeah, they were a great team, and they're a huge miss because Workington were always, always good, and always brought a good fan following as well, and, and always performed well in in the various um, like the pairs and um, the fours and that kind of event too. They were they were always good. Yeah, they had a massive fan following and and great people up there. Uh, Tony wore his heart on his sleeve every single meeting, and and if it wasn't for him, we we wouldn't have have won um, for sure. He 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 the passion he put and, and, and hours and I wouldn't even say love he put in, in, into that team that year was, was phenomenal. And, and you have to give, give him loads of credit for that. Absolutely. Well, look, it's been great speaking with you, Nikolai. That sounds like a, a fantastic meeting if ever it were to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I can imagine it in our minds. Good luck for the season coming up. And uh, most importantly, of course, stay safe and, um, and uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing and, and um, hope you have a, a successful season and, and it lives up to all your expectations and hopes. And see you, in, uh, see you at Voyans later in the year. We will, Ian. No, thanks a lot for having me on. It was... Uh... It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to speak with Nikolai Clint on this episode of Humans of Speedway and the very best of luck to him for 2021 and, of course, beyond. And don't forget to check out some of the previous episodes. If you're a new listener to Humans of Speedway, welcome along. Don't forget to give us a follow on whichever app you use so you don't miss any new episodes as soon as they arrive. We've got chats with people like Scott Nichols. We've got Gary Havelock. Chris Morton, the Bellevue legend, Nigel Pearson and Kelvin Tatum, two of the big voices of TV Speedway in the UK and also elsewhere around the world as well. Jeremy Doncaster and we've got stars from off the track like Graham Cook who tells you exactly what's involved in creating the perfect racing surface. So if you want to get involved in that kind of stuff, check out some of the previous episodes that we've got from over the course of the past year. Something else that I'm involved in is the brand new official British Speedway podcast, No Break no fear it's available right now and it's going to be coming at you every tuesday through the speedway season you can find it on all of the podcast apps available search for british speedway you can also find it at sport-social.co.uk along with other podcasts for other sports including snooker what about the snooker scene podcast what about the love tennis podcast if you're a big fan of tennis as we get towards wimbledon season and loads of other football podcasts available there as well, sport-social.co.uk. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon on the next episode of Humans of Speedway. This podcast is part of the Sport Social Podcast Network. Sport Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.